Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand and that you may be able to continue to stand. So it says we have these different pieces of the armor that he mentions here. As we have these on, they will enable us to withstand the onslaught of the enemy. And when the enemy's thrust is over, we'll still be standing. But you can't do that apart from the influence of God's word in your life. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Ephesians. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Ephesians, chapter 6, verses 13 through 17, in a message titled, The Armor of God. Now, here's Pastor Brian. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with the truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation. So those are the five that we'll consider together today. Now, when we talk about the armor of God, Paul uses this picture. He paints for us a mental picture and uh, each of these things, the, the belt of truth, the, the breastplate of righteousness, uh, of course, they're symbols of spiritual things. And so there, there's a spiritual truth behind the symbol. And as we look at each one of these things, as you look at the, everything that's mentioned here, what you discover is that the armor of God is really... Uh, the application of the eternal truths of Scripture. That's, that's really what the armor of God is. It's the application of the eternal truths of Scripture. And so to put on the armor is to apply those truths to our lives. That's what it means. We're taking the eternal truths of Scripture and we're applying them to our lives in these various areas and, and so that's how we, we put on the armor of God. So everything that we're going to talk about really revolves around the word of God and beginning with what Paul speaks of here as having girded your waist with truth or, of course, he's talking about a belt, uh, the belt of truth. Now, in the situation with the Roman soldier, the belt was the, the foundational piece of the armor in the sense that all of the other pieces of the armor attached to the belt. And so you, you had to have this. This was uh, essential to the equipment that you were given. And so Paul says, gird your waist, just like the Roman soldier had to have this, this belt on, Paul says, you gird your waist with the truth. Our lives are to be undergirded by the truth of God's word. And as I look at this here, I think a good way to understand what Paul is referring to here would be that in the bigger picture of life, or what we commonly refer to today as a worldview, our worldview is firmly fixed in scripture. 
So we see the world through the lens of Scripture. Everybody has a lens through which they view life. Everybody has a, a certain philosophy about life. They have certain presuppositions that lend to that particular worldview. As a believer in Christ, our worldview is to be a biblical worldview. And that's what Paul is calling for here. That our lives be so saturated in the truth that everything we look at, everything that we contemplate, it, it all goes through the filter of God's word. So we're just, we're mentally living in that context. I just, I see things through the lens of God's word. And that, that's what he's talking about here, I think primarily. He's talking about immersing ourselves in, uh, saturating ourselves with the truth of God. And so it's important that we immerse ourselves in God's truth from cover to cover. And that's the idea when Paul speaks of putting on the belt of truth. You see, as Christians, we need to realize that the enemy cannot be withstood by human reason, tradition, personal charisma, or any other natural kind of means. The enemy is only going to be pushed back or subdued through the truth of God's word. So we've got to be immersed in God's word. We've got to be living in it. We've got to be walking in it and applying it to our lives and the, the things that we daily encounter. So that's, that's the first, I think, understanding of what he's talking about here, girding your waist with the truth. But then I think there's also another part to it, and that would be truthfulness or integrity. Of course, if you're a person who's really interested in truth, then it would seem to follow from that that you would be concerned to be truthful, to be a person who has a high priority of truth, but yet doesn't themselves live according to the truth or speak the truth. That would be rather inconsistent. So we're going to be truthful. We're going to be people of integrity. We're going to be people who can be trusted. And again, living according to the truth, applying the truth, being people who have a high priority on truth and integrity, these are the kinds of things that, that beat back, in, in a sense, the devil's advances. And so, the belt of truth. And then secondly, Paul here speaks of the breastplate of righteousness. Now, the breastplate, as you can understand, as you think about it, covers uh, the vital organs. would cover the chest and the abdomen. Of course, we have our heart, our lungs, our liver, our pancreas. All, all of those things are, are right in that region. And in, in the biblical world, and so with us today as well, we often... They did, and we often do as well. We understand this area to be sort of the seat of our emotions. We say things like, I love that with all my heart. So we're, we're expressing, you know, some emotional kind of a thing that, that we're seeing as originating in our heart. The term compassion, uh, the idea behind it in the ancient world 
was uh, the, the old translation, the King James Version, oftentimes translates compassion as bowels of mercy. Now, when you think of bowels, you normally don't think of mercy simultaneously, right? But they translated it that way because of the way you feel. You, compassion is something that you feel, right? You see somebody and there's something internal. There's a, there's a feeling, there's an emotion that transpires there. It says concerning Jesus that he looked at the, the people, he saw them as sheep without a shepherd. It, and it says there he was doubled over with compassion. So the idea there is that, you know, these bowels of mercy. So anyway, since that's the, the area where that was uh, considered to originate from, the breastplate then protects us in the realm of our emotions, in the realm of our feelings. And it's the breastplate of righteousness. Now, when we talk about righteousness in the Bible, we're talking about right living, but we're also talking about what's called the imputed righteousness. And that's what we have as a gift from God, from Christ, that, that puts us in the position of being righteous. So when we think of putting on the breastplate of righteousness, we need to think of, of walking in that imputed righteousness of Christ. I realize that my righteousness does not come from me, but it comes from the Lord. It's his gift to me through faith. But because I've experienced that gift of his righteousness, that will translate into right living. If, there, if there's never a translation from imputed righteousness to practical righteousness, then you have to wonder, is there really imputed righteousness? If there's imputed righteousness, there is ultimately going to be practical righteousness as well. And so as we, at times, that Satan will attack us, as we've already looked at in quite a bit of detail, he'll attack us in our emotions. There are times when, from the standpoint of feelings, we don't feel saved. We don't feel righteous. So it's at those times I need to remember, no, I've got a breastplate of righteousness. I have a righteousness that, that is there regardless of how I feel. And then, of course, on the practical level, there are times when we don't feel like doing what is right. And it's there again that we put on the breastplate of righteousness and we let that imputed righteousness, we let it translate into the, uh, the practical righteousness, the holy living. And so the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness. And then he says, and having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Another translation reads, for shoes put on a readiness to preach the gospel of peace. Now with, again, the Roman soldier, each one of these things that Paul mentions here, those who read this letter originally, the Ephesians, they, the picture would have been crystal clear in their minds. Everybody knew how a Roman soldier was attired in those days. And they had a specific kind of a boot that was uh, like an open-toed sandal type of a thing, but it was, it was more like a boot and it had a studded sole. And the, the purpose in the studded sole was to give the, the person a firm grounding. So the soldier couldn't easily be pushed back. There, there was no slippage that was gonna take place. You know, if you've ever tried to, to, to do something and your feet have slipped out from under you, 
you know that that's, that's a huge problem. And especially if you're in some kind of a conflict, you want to be able to, to stand firmly without being moved in that kind of a way. So that's what the, the boots or the shoes would have done for the soldier. So for us, the idea, I think, is that we're, we're grounded in the gospel and we're going forth with that gospel. We're not being pushed back or moved, but we're, we're actually advancing. We're gaining ground. There's no slippage, so to speak, that's taking place. I'm not going to be doing things that are going to cause my feet to slip, so to speak, when that, when that opportunity is right there before me. No, my feet are firmly fixed in the gospel. So it's a readiness that Paul's speaking of, uh, a preparedness to go forth with the gospel. And then fourthly, he says, and taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Now, we talked extensively about the fiery darts of the wicked one. And the reality is we will never be out of range of Satan's fiery darts. But by taking up the shield of faith, we can quench those fiery darts. Faith is a huge component in our Christian lives and in our progress as believers and in our advancement in serving God, we have to have faith. So, that, so to take up the shield of faith is really an act of trust in the word of God, in, in the promises of God. God gives us his word. He gives us promises. He speaks uh, to our lives. He, he gives us direction. You know that. Now, the important thing is to believe it and to keep believing it. What the devil wants to do is he wants to rob us of those things. He wants to get us to stop believing, stop trusting, stop having faith in God's word, in uh, the promises that God has given through his word. So we've got to take that shield of faith. And when the enemy comes in with suggestions that you know this isn't true, or, or God is not faithful, or those promises really don't apply to you. It's by faith that you say, no, I believe what God has said. I believe what God has told me. You know, I have a Bible at home. I don't use it anymore, but I still have it. And I have, uh, I have promises highlighted uh, from over 25 years ago. And, you know, God would speak something to me and I would, I would write it down. And these are just a, a handful of promises, but they were so certain when God spoke them to me. They, they affected me so profoundly at the moment that I, I marked it down. I underlined it. I highlighted it. I put the date next to it and then awaited the fulfillment of it. But you know, in some cases, the fulfillment was not for 10, 15, 20, 25 years. And guess what happens during that time? The enemy comes along and says, oh, God, those promises, you just imagined that. God never told you any of that stuff. And that's where you have to really take the shield of faith. That's where you have to say, okay, regardless of how I feel or don't feel at the moment, 
I still believe God. I still believe that God spoke this word to me and I'm going to stand on it. That's what it is to have faith, is to keep trusting in the word of God. It's to keep trusting in the promises of God. And we're going to do that our entire lives. Because you know what? As a Christian, God calls you to live by faith. It's part of what we do. We live by faith. Now, quite frankly, I would prefer not to live by faith. I'd like to have it all crystal clear in front of me. I'd like to have it all spelled out. I'd like to know with assurance and certainty that, yeah, this is what we're doing. And this is where we're going. And this is how we're getting there. And this is the provision that's going to be made for it. But it never works that way. It just never works that way. God doesn't let it work that way. He wants us to trust him. He calls us to trust him. Now, in the context of warfare, like we're talking about, the devil knows that. So guess what? He's going to try to get to prevent you from going on in faith. He's going to try to uh, persuade you not to trust God. And then we come to the fifth piece of the armor, the helmet of salvation. As I've stated before, the primary battle is in the mind. Now, of course, there are other ways that Satan attacks us as well. But the, but the mind is, is the main target. So the helmet is clearly uh, protects our head, but more than our head, it protects our, our minds because that's where the enemy is constantly shooting at us. He's wanting us to doubt our salvation. He's wanting us to doubt God's faithfulness and those kinds of things. So it's our minds that need to be guarded and protected. And this is, again, where God's word is the, it's the helmet for us of salvation. It's the knowledge of salvation. It's the mental assurance of our salvation. You know, it's amazing to me that the enemy just uses the same tricks over and over again. He tries to get us to fall for the same things. And even after many, many years of being a Christian and many seasons of having absolute confidence in your salvation, you can suddenly go into like a valley. You go into some kind of a funk where your, your mind is just plagued with a thought like, well, am I, am I even really saved? And you think, how can, I, how can I even think that? How could I even for one moment fall for a suggestion like that? But we do. It happens. We start to doubt. We begin to wonder. We look at ourselves and we realize that we're so unworthy. We realize we're so sinful. And it's easy to draw the conclusion, well, I, I don't know really if I'm saved. But the way to have the mental assurance of our salvation is again to have our minds saturated in the truth of God. Remembering that we're saved by grace through faith and that not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. Remembering it's not by works of righteousness that we have done, but it's by his mercy that he saved us. And these are the things that we have to continually do because it's a continual battle. I know Christians who are just as solid as you could possibly be in the faith. And yet I see them at times wavering in areas as, as simple as this, where the enemy comes in and somehow suggests 
Maybe you're not really a child of God. Maybe you're not really going to make it to heaven in the end. And it's where this is where we need to make sure we've got that helmet of salvation. But there's another application to this as well. And in 1 Thessalonians 5.8, Paul refers to the helmet of the hope of salvation. So he words it a little differently. The helmet of the hope of salvation. And I think in this application here, when we're discouraged and, and we feel like we can't go on, it's the hope of salvation or it's the, in our, in our minds, remembering that we are going to be victorious ultimately, that Christ is the victor, that he has already defeated the enemy, that God's kingdom is here and it's coming and it will be completely realized one day and, and we're going to be part of it. So it's that hope of salvation that keeps us going, that says, you know, no, I, I'm not going to give up. I've come this far. Don't turn back. Don't slack off. Keep going. Keep pressing forward. And so these things here, as I initially said, notice that every one of them are, are predominantly a, a defensive kind of a part of the armor. They're for our protection and to, to keep the enemy from pushing us back. They're, as we take and we apply God's word in these ways, we maintain our ground. And that's what Paul said that we are to do. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand and that you may be able to continue to stand. So it's as we have these different uh, pieces of the armor that he mentions here, as we have these on, they, they will enable us to withstand the onslaught of the enemy. And when the enemy's thrust is over, we'll still be standing. But I can't do that. You can't do that apart from the influence of God's word in your life. We cannot underestimate the importance of God's word in people's life. And you know what? I'll tell you how important the word of God is. It, it's so important that the devil does everything in his power to try to keep it from going out. He does everything in his power to try to keep it from being faithfully taught. But the sad thing is that there, the majority of churches do not teach the Bible, even true believers. They, they just don't teach it. So all of that to say... The important thing in all of this, as we're talking about putting on the armor of God, is to realize how vital a place God's word plays in all of this. Get yourself saturated in God's word. That's how you have victory over sin. That's how you have victory over Satan. That's how you not just experience personal victory, but that's how you move forward and become somebody who has an impact on the lives of others. So put on the whole armor of God translates into soak yourself in God's word, not just get it in your brain. Of course, it's got to go through your brain. We're not talking about just memorizing 25 Bible verses just so for the sake of knowing them, but get it into your heart, get it into your life, get it into your bloodstream. Get God's word into you so thoroughly that you, you see the world through God's word. And that's how we will beat the devil. And that's what we want to do. So God help us.
For the month of January, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled Out of the Black Shadows by Stephen Longu with Ann Coombs. Abused, abandoned, empty, and angry. This is a story of many youth in our culture today. And it's also the beginning of the story of the life of Stephen Lungu, a young African man turned terrorist during a time of political and social unrest in Africa. In his book, Out of the Black Shadows, Stephen Lungu shares his testimony of being abused by his father, abandoned by his mother, rejected by family, to ultimately finding inner healing, peace, reconciliation, and true purpose through Jesus. If you want to be inspired by the transformation and healing God can produce in a life, you need to get this month's resource from Back to Basics. The book, Out of the Black Shadows by Stephen Lungu with Ann Coombs, is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Ephesians. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.